Hey, hey, ladies. Happy Palm Sunday. Welcome to the fourth episode of Four God's Gals podcast. Today is a big day in the life of the Jew and the believer in Jesus Christ as the Savior, Messiah of the world. We are going to jump into scripture to take a look at all that Jesus of Nazareth fulfilled in his first coming, leading us to believe the promises of his second coming. Come on in and get cozy. And let's see what God has in store for his girls today. All right, ladies, you might have noticed that I took a little hiatus over the last couple of Sundays. And to be very open and frank with you, I just needed to do a little bit of praying to continue here. Um, I started this podcast thinking thinking that my purpose and direction here was to engage young women ages 13 um, to 18 really was my focus with God's word. And through the last, uh, you know, several episodes and just talking to some, some people that I feel strongly in gaining their wisdom and discernment in the way that the Lord is leading me, I kind of decided, you know what, I need to maybe redirect my purpose and um, content. And that's not to say that I am, I'm still convicted of the fact that, um, that my purpose here is still to reach out to those young women with God's word. However, I have realized that my focus was perhaps a little too narrow. So quite frankly, um, young women need to hear exactly what older women need to hear in our day and age. And so I'm not going to shy away from giving nuggets of wisdom to mamas like myself um, and talking to other moms and getting their perspective and digging into scripture to find the answers to our day-to-day strife in raising a family and being a godly woman in our marriage, responding to our husbands alongside training up, helping to train up those young women alongside you mamas in God's word. And so I hope that does not deter you young women who might be listening. Hopefully this will just enhance your wisdom and knowledge going forward into um, a life where if God calls you to be married, that you can have some some training wheels, if you might say, from just listening to the wisdom and knowledge, hopefully that comes through reading God's word and aligning yourself with it and hearing, uh, you know, the struggles that older women have in all stages of their life. Okay. So with that understanding, let's dive into today's topic. And I want to talk to you about Passover and Palm Sunday, because that's what we are celebrating t- today. Jews started celebrating Passover. Um, those traditional Jews that may or may not uh, recognize Jesus of Nazareth as their Messiah, the promised one of all of the ancient texts of the Old Testament. Everything was pointing to Jesus. 
leading up to his life, death, and resurrection on the cross over 2,000 years ago. And so the Passover for for the Jewish faith actually started yesterday, started at sundown yesterday evening. And I, I just, I like to commemorate that after, you know, um, especially after last year and all of the changes and everything that came up, up you know, <laughs> passed over us, no no pun intended, um, last year with the quarantine and um, with, you know, the so-called pandemic and, and that sort of thing, um, it really drove me further into God's word and understanding, uh, really, it was over a study of Revelation and just diving fully and deeply into Revelation and Daniel and then into the prophets and on and on it goes. <laughs> um, and it led into the study of these festivals that God uh, commemorated and expected Israel to keep. And so we're going to dive into that today. Have you ever studied the festivals of Israel that God outlined in the wilderness for his people to follow? Um, and so I just, I just have learned so much, and I hope you will uh, learn alongside me as we open up God's word and dig into it for ourselves. And so before we dig into the Jewish festivals pointing to Christ, can we just settle this question? Because in this day and age, unfortunately, this is a question that a lot of people wrestle with. And you know what? That's okay. But I think that we just need to take a moment and just settle this. What does Holy Week and Christ's resurrection really mean to me? What does it mean to you? Do I really believe that Jesus of Nazareth really was raised from the dead, defeating sin and death, and settling my debt as a sinner with a holy and righteous God so I can boldly come to my Father in heaven and come up to his throne with boldness um, and do the things that he asks me to do. So in answering that question, Let's take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And this is what Paul writes. Now, I would remind you, brothers and sisters, of the good news that I proclaim to you, which you in turn received, in which you also stand, through which also you are being saved, if you hold firmly to the message that I proclaim to you, unless you have come to believe. In vain. For I handed on to you as of first importance what I in turn had received that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one ultimately born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, 
unfit to be called an apostle because I have persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me has not been in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we proclaim, and so you have come to believe. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our proclamation has been in vain and your faith has been in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified of God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins, then those also who have died in Christ have perished. If for this life only we have hoped in Christ, we are of all people must to, uh, most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have died. For since death came through a human being, the resurrection of the dead has also come through a human being. For as all die in Adam, so all will be made alive in Christ. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ, then comes the end when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed every ruler and every authority and power, for he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death, for God had put all things in subjection under his feet. But when it says all things are put in subjection, it is plain that this does not include the one who put all things in subjection under him. When all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself will also be subjected to the one who put all things in subjection under him, so that God may be all in all. Otherwise, what will those people do who receive baptism on behalf of the dead? If the dead are not raised at all, why are people baptized on their behalf? And why are we putting ourselves in danger every hour? I die every day. That is as certain, brothers and sisters, as my boasting of you, a boast that I make in Christ Jesus our Lord. If we merely human, if with merely human hopes, I fought with wild animals at Ephesus, what would I have gained by it? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Come to a sober and right mind and sin no more. For some people have no knowledge of God. I say this to your, to your shame. All right, and we're going to stop right there on verse 34. There is so much to unpack here. And I want to point out a couple of things before we jump into these Jewish festivals. And the first is just to settle that question. Do you, do I? truly believe that the God of creation raised Jesus Christ from the dead. 
If we don't believe that, as Paul says, we are simply striving in vain. Our faith is in vain um, because then our sins are really still staining us. Our, our sins are still part of us and the wrath of God um, would still come upon us because we cannot come to God's throne boldly in the midst of his holiness without being completely and utterly destroyed, without Christ clothing us in his righteousness, which he supremely won by living a perfect life, laying himself down as a once and for all sacrificial lamb for us so that we might be made whole and pure through his sacrifice. And so all of this, this question, this loaded question, do you believe that, brings us to understanding the first four Jewish festivals, the Passover, the festival of unleavened bread, the feast of first fruits, and uh, the feast of weeks or Pentecost. And so to look at these and understand these festivals and to see that they were simply a dress rehearsal for Christ's first coming to walk this earth and redeem his people, we need to go back to the Old Testament. That is why it is so important for us to understand that we still need the Old Testament text. They help us to interpret and understand all that Christ has done for us as it is written in the Gospels and then in the book of Acts and then in the epistles, the letters that Paul wrote, all pointing to Jesus as our sacrificial lamb and fulfilling all of this prophecy. And Jesus himself declares and and fully believed that all the writings of Moses, the Psalms, and the prophets all pointed to him. He declared that fully and soundly. And so the books of Moses, uh, Moses is, is uh, theologically um, thought to be the author of the first five books of the Bible, uh, the Jewish faith calls that the, Pentate- the Pentateuch. And so that would be Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus and um, Numbers and Deuteronomy. Those are the first five books. And then the other books are um, the apostles and the histories and the account of Israel. But specifically, God, Jesus says that the, the writing of Moses the Psalms, and the prophets were all written pointing to him. So let's jump over to Exodus 12. Exodus 12 is the account of that first Passover that God instituted when the Egyptians are in Egypt. They have been there oppressed as slaves since after the time of Joseph moved his family to the um, the fertile land of Goshen in Egypt with the Pharaoh's blessing. And then it, it starts out saying that the Pharaoh that currently reigned 
uh, had forgotten, did not know Joseph. And so he started seeing that these people called Israel, these Israelites were outnumbering them. They were plentiful, everything that they did, it was blessed and multiplied. And he started thinking, oh my goodness, if these people that are so numerous, if they decide that they want to take over my kingdom, well, they certainly can't overthrow us because they outnumber us. And so he decides that he is not going to make a peace treaty with them or come underneath the worship of their one true God. Instead, he is going to make slaves of them. And that's exactly what he does. He oppresses them. And for 400 years, they have been oppressed and they cry out to the Lord. And the Lord now sends his redeemer in the form of this man named Moses. And Moses and his brother Aaron have been going to the Pharaoh and they have been pleading on the case of their brothers and sister Israelites that they must be released to go out into the wilderness to worship the Lord and to um, and and to sacrifice to him. And so the Pharaoh has been completely obstinate. And so we get to this chapter 12 where God has declared he will perform the final and last miracle to show his greatness and his glory to Pharaoh and the Egyptians by sending um, the angel of death to pass over the region of Egypt and kill all of the firstborn, all of the firstborn livestock and all of the firstborn um, in all of the houses. Um, And so in order to mark... hmm, the Israelites as God's people so that the angel of death would pass over their houses and not stop. They are told in chapter 12, this, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, this month shall mark for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell the whole congregation of Israel that on the 10th of this month, they are to take a lamb for each family, a lamb for each household. If a household is too small for a whole lamb, it shall join its closest neighbor in obtaining one. The lamb shall be divided in proportion to the number of people who eat of it. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a year old male. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. You shall keep it until the 14th day of this month. Then the whole assembled congregation of Israel shall slaughter it at twilight. They shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the lamb that same night. They shall eat it roasted over the fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roasted over the fire with its head, legs, and inner organs. You shall let none of its remain. None of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning you shall burn. This is how you shall eat it. Your loins girded, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it hurriedly. It is this It is the Passover of the Lord, for I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike down every firstborn in the land of Egypt, both human beings and animals. On all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgments. I am 
the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you live. When I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague shall destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. This day you shall be shall be a day of remembrance for you. You shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord. Throughout your generations you shall observe it as a perpetual ordinance. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall remove leaven from your houses, for whoever eats leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day shall be cut off from Israel. On the first day you shall hold a solemn assembly, and on the seventh day a solemn assembly. No work shall be done on those days, only what everyone must eat. That alone may be prepared by you. You shall observe the festival of unleavened bread, for on this very day I brought your companies out of the land of Egypt. You shall observe this day throughout your generations as a perpetual ordinance. In the first month, from the evening of the fourteenth day until the evening of the twenty-first day, you shall eat unleavened bread. For seven days no leaven shall be found in your houses, for whoever eats what is leavened shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether an alien or a native of the land. You shall eat nothing leavened in all your settlements. You shall eat unleavened bread." Okay, so God establishes this, actually the first two um, feasts that he says that the Israelites will need to honor and acknowledge and celebrate every year for generations. Um, And so that first one is the Passover. And so this is so, so fun to be on this side of history and see how Jesus has fulfilled these festivals starting with the Passover. And we call this celebration now, today, Palm Sunday. And so Palm Sunday starts off, we read about this account. You can read about it in... um, all of the Gospels, but specifically, I want us to turn to John chapter 12, verse 12. And it says, the next day, the great crowd that had come to the festival heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it as it is written, Do not be afraid, daughter of Zion. Look, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written of him and had been done to him. Isn't that amazing. So this is something to know. So the day to the day, actually, Daniel prophesied in the book of Daniel to the day that Jesus would ride in on a donkey's colt into Jerusalem and give himself over as the sacrificial lamb of the Passover that would end <laughs> the need for a sacrifice 
to atone for our sins because he was the final sacrifice as we read in 1 Corinthians. Jesus is the final sacrifice. Jesus came into Jerusalem at the same time the Jewish priests were welcoming the sheep into the temple to prepare for the traditional Passover sacrifices. He entered as a humble servant, a perfect, unblemished sacrifice to guard us from death through laying down his life for us. Isn't that amazing? And then you hear the second festival being laid out alongside the first remembrance, the remembrance of the Passover and this festival of unleavened bread. And so what does that mean to us? What does that leavened bread, unleavened bread mean to us? And if you look at Leviticus 23, once again, God lays out these specific times of remembrance and feasts and festivals as a foreshadow, as a um, a dress rehearsal, if you will, for what Christ will do and has already done. So as you remember reading through Exodus, this is a seven-day feast, the Unleavened Bread Feast. This seven-day feast begins on the day following the start of Passover. In the haste of the Israelites to leave Egypt, there was no time to add leaven or yeast to their bread because what do you have to do? You have to sit and wait for the bread to rise before you can bake it to eat it. And God tells them, we don't have time for that. We don't have time for that. And so you just need to make the bread without the leaven, get your sandals tied on your feet, have your robe on your back, make sure you have your staff in your hand ready to walk out the door when I say go. And so during this time, remembering the hardships in Egypt and how God freed them from captivity, the Jews eat nothing leavened. And on top of that, leaven often represents sin and decay in the Bible. Because once incorporated, yeast becomes an inseparable part of the bread. The same is true for sin's effect in our lives. And just think about it. There's just a tiny, just a tiny pinch of yeast needed to make bread rise. And so no matter how good we think we are or how many good things we think that we do for God, we still have even just a pinch of sin in our life. We are filthy. We are unholy. We cannot on our own come to the throne of God, a holy and righteous being, without his wrath coming upon us. And so I don't know about you, but I would say I have a lot more than a pinch of sin that I fight and deal with that Christ has fought and dealt with for me on my behalf. And so the Jews were constantly sacrificing because of that sin, unblemished animals to temporarily atone for sin. And only the Messiah, the perfect sinless sacrifice could offer a permanent solution. The unleavened bread represents Jesus's sinless life. He is the only perfect sacrifice for our sins. And in, six, in John 6, 35, 
Jesus boldly states that he is the bread of life. Not only does he remove our sins, he nourishes our souls. And so I intended to go on to the next two festivals that are part of this this concert of four Jewish festivals that represent these the spring festivals, Passover, Unleavened Bread, First Fruits, and Pentecost. But ladies, I'm already out of time. And so I'm going to leave you on a cliffhanger. <laughs> and that is just fine because you know what? I think that God has his hand in this. And so um, this is Holy Week. We are starting Holy Week and we are just getting started in knowing and understanding all that Jesus has done for us and and he doesn't leave us there, just like First Corinthians, just like Paul tells us in First Corinthians, that there is even more to come. There is more to come. We were reading and reading, and there, and he talks about Jesus's second coming and all that that. And there are festivals that point to Jesus's second coming. Girls, I cannot wait to study those with you through God's word, and so. Until next time, you know, I guess this just means that you should just be paying attention for another podcast this week. I guess I'm just going to make up for the time that I went on my little sabbatical, my little hiatus break to uh, just fellowship with the Lord and see where he wanted me to go and continue with this podcast. So I appreciate you jumping on here with me and learning with me. And please know that you can always reach out to me through um, anchor.fm slash for God's girls and reach out to me with any questions that you have or any comments that you have about this, maybe how you celebrate uh, these Passover traditions, pointing your children to this understanding of who Christ is and how God planned for him for from the beginning. Ah, I'm getting so excited. I can't even, my words are getting jumbled. So I apologize. I am convinced that we live in exciting times. The world is looking more and more like what Jesus and the prophets and the apostles described it would look like at the end of time. And I'm so excited for us to continue to search the scriptures to understand how Jesus has fulfilled Old Testament prophecies and will fulfill the remaining festivals and prophecies yet to come. And I can't wait to talk with you about first fruits and the Feast of Weeks or Pentecost as more appropriately known in the church in our age. I hope you guys will have a wonderful Holy Week. Happy Resurrection Sunday. It is coming. Sunday is coming. I love you all, and we will talk soon. Hey, ladies, I would love for you to connect with me. You can do that by visiting anchor.fm forward slash for God's girls. Don't hesitate to ask questions or leave comments about things that you are learning through studying His Word together.